All right, here we go. Necessary Conversations with Pastor Dorian. What up, though? Watson, what's happening, man? My man, my man, you know me, just always doing this thing here, just taking it one day at a time, one day at a time. That's all you can do. If you can figure out how to do it more than one day at a time, let me know. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be a warm buffet if I did, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, buddy. So, hey, uh, once again, always happy to have you here. Uh, Take up some of your very important time and just uh, put out some stuff for the people. Uh, Thanks again for all the different uh, shouts and views that we've had. Uh, everybody's filling up in the uh, form. The user form episode is happening either next week or the week thereafter. Uh, that being said, uh, this is uh, sort of a follow-up to this week's uh, recent message. Uh, Pastor Dorian's been doing great work on the pulpit as usual. Uh, but this past week, uh, if you didn't uh, make it to service on Sunday, go check it out again. Uh, he talked about uh, some very dynamic things as far as uh, what, power we have to fix our own struggles. That being said, today we're going to talk about the struggle. And I'm just going to kind of go right in and talk about uh, what we want to ask is living with the struggle or dealing with the struggle as a saint, you know, like how is one to deal with it? Um, You know, because, you know, sometimes, we're you know, we get baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, and we expect everything to be perfect, washed clean, because that's what a lot of times we historically are told. You put down the pipe, you put down the bottle, you put away the women, whatever it is. But what happens when it doesn't go away? So that's where we're at today. Uh, I'll start off with my own personal testimony of a struggle with it and then kind of lean into questions with Pastor Dorian. Uh, After I got baptized in a field, I actually had a little small struggle still with uh, cursing. Still had a little bit of filth left on my tongue (laughs) and uh, couldn't really get it quite together was uh found myself cussing at random things even things as silly as video games still (laughs) in my own private time (laughs) yeah like i could go play golf with your dad and the bishop and knew not to do it then but at home in my own private sake it frustrates that's interesting (laughs) like i was cussing about not cussing like i can't stop cussing i think it's interesting that you were able to stop when you were say playing golf with my dad but not when you were playing video games, either alone or with other people, I think that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, depending who I was playing games with, we were cussing at each other. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it wasn't an immediate fix on that part of it, um, and I can't say the turning point in which it ended, but it was definitely one of those things that didn't, you know, go away. Uh, luckily, God healed me of that and other things. Uh, most of everything else was just instantly and desires were kind of gone and I was uh, a new man. But, you know, there are times where people deal with like a little bit more of a serious struggle and it can cause some issues. So uh, just kind of in general blanket statement to start us going here, what would you say like is one of those things that hits people? And like, how do you deal with that immediate struggle? I mean, well, I think it's interesting and I think the challenge Um, a lot of people have is the same one you had is that certain things are taken away instantaneously and others aren't. And it's kind of like, what's the rhyme or reason? Or what am I to make of the fact that there are certain things that I used to do, I have zero desire to do anymore. And then there are these other things that seem to be stubborn um, that won't go away. And I think that 
like kind of reconciling what that means that I know God has the power to deliver me instantaneously. What does it mean if he didn't, um, you know, to me, like that's, that's the hard thing uh, for a lot of people is, is what does it mean if he didn't? And how do I, um, you know, how do I deal with the fact that he didn't do something instantaneously? Does that mean that there's some deficiency in my salvation? You know, does that, right. does, does that mean that, you know, I didn't get all the way saved? What does it mean? That's the worry I, I I'm get hearing. And, and get rebaptized again? <laughs> do I have to go back? Maybe I left my hand up? Is that? I mean, that's a legit question. I know I've been asked those people like, do I have to get rebaptized? Yeah, yeah. So, so the the first thing I, I I tell people is to is is to recognize that there is a difference between justification and sanctification, and justification is what happens at the point of salvation, and to be justified is to be declared innocent, and that's what um, you know. That's what was was done for us. Uh, at the cross. And that's what we all have to recognize and have confidence in is that's what happened. Romans 8 and 30 says, uh, moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called and whom he called, then he also justified and whom he justified, then he also glorified. So first things first, don't panic because there's a difference. Justification happens at salvation. I mean, I'm sorry, at, at the point of salvation. You know, like you mm-hmm. are justified. You have been declared innocent, period. Mm-hmm. Now, sanctification is what happens starting at the point of salvation, and it is a process. Okay. So, uh, and it is a process. I want you to keep on where you're going, but just before you get going too far, can you just explain that scripture uh, just a little bit more detailed and a little bit more like non-King James language that you're just going over? Sure, sure. Romans um, uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 30 is in, and just chapter 8 period and just this whole um, section of Romans, you know, I I can read a a different version. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. So, predestined meaning or he foreknew he knew and those whom he's decided he's going to save he's justified you know and and if you take a step back into verse 29 i think i could give a little more uh context and i'll try not to get king jamesy but it says in your words (laughs) for those god foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. So he's saying, like, who he's called to be saved, your destiny or your destination is to be conformed, to be shaped to the image of his son. Uh, but the first thing he had to do when he predestinated you and called you is to justify you. So he calls you not guilty. So when you get baptized and filled with his spirit, he says and stamps not guilty on you and on your ledger. So you can live in the confidence that when you're covered in the blood of Jesus, everything that you've done and everything you mm-hmm. continually, re- you know, you repent of and you pray about, mm-hmm. you've been stamped as not guilty. Now, the process mm-hmm. of being shaped and formed into the image 
of Jesus Christ into what we call sanctified. And we could dig into okay. what sanctified means, you know, like that's a process. So that image we have of a saint, of a believer that lives a sinless life, doesn't cuss, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't fornicate, doesn't lie, you know, is holy. That image, like that's a process. So justification, not okay. guilty, happens on the spot. Yeah. This okay. perfection is something we aspire to, and it happens over time. Okay. So, um, and and maybe this will work into the sanctification, or we'll just circle back to it, because I put it here in my notes, if it kind of flows into this. But I, I kind of want to talk more about the instant snap, the justification, and then uh, going into transition into sanctification while you're waiting to be sanctified in this whole process. And you're still having something that, like, let's just uh, call it a uh, drug. Like, there's a drug that you can't mm-hmm. put down just yet. You know, you know, we all know your father's awesome testimony, how he was instantly off of the drugs. Right. Instantly. But that does not necessarily happen to everybody. And all of a sudden, they're still, they still have a, a predispension for uh, whatever that drug is. Uh, call it cocaine, you know, just to pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, they're still trying to put down the 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 powder but ever so often they have a weak moment they have a weak night you know Mm -hmm. whatever it is they still are in this thing so like it it like doesn't you know jesus tell the woman at the water at the well go and sin no more Mm -hmm. sin not be a bound for paul you know like is that person you know and like we kind of talked about in other episodes you know like do you not feel like it didn't work or like, man, if God comes right now, if Jesus comes right now and cracks open that sky while I'm high as a kite. Like, is that what, so what do you that's that's the importance of knowing the difference between justification and sanctification. Um, is if you have been filled with his spirit, baptized you are justified. You can't, they're, they're, none of us will be in heaven because we lived so clean. Now that's, that's the hard part. And, you know, my, my Pentecostal apostolic folks, you know, we wrestle with that because there are certain scriptures where you talk about holiness without which no man shall see him. And, 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 and holiness is, 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 is right. It's true. It's necessary, but it's, our ability to live free from sin is not what makes us righteous. It's what Jesus did. So you get, and I are saved by our faith in what Jesus did. So that's why this conversation is important is because our struggles at times can make us doubt the effectiveness of what Jesus did. And that's the last thing you want to do. That was my exact next question is how do we combat that doubt? which then leads to shame, fear, anger, rejection and ultimately turning away. Yeah, you have How to, do we combat the doubt? You have to you have to believe that like 1 Peter 2 and 9 says you're a chosen peace priesthood. Like he chose you. He you you are declared the righteousness of God that it is by the blood of Jesus Christ that we have been declared righteous. It is through no goodness of our own. That our righteousness as our as as are as filthy rags to him, like our best day, you know, 
isn't worth and and worthy of us being able to say we deserve heaven. Like, because here, because I, I I I have to break some news uh, to some that may be looking for forward to the day that they get free from this one particular sin that they've been made aware mm-hmm. of. Um, certification, because it's a process. It it you go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Um, mm-hmm. You will always, if you keep walking with God and stay sensitive to Him, He's going to make you aware of new things that you have to wrestle with. So like you never break free from the need to be delivered and rely on God's grace. Like, I think that's the Mm -hmm. thing that many people, when they're trying to, when they're really concerned about breaking free from this one sin, they think if I can get free from this one thing, then I won't have to rely on the grace of God. And I hate to break it to you there. He will reveal deeper levels of sanctification. The Bible says he desires truth in the inward parts. So once you get off cocaine, like, okay, because uh-huh. I'll, I'll be honest, the two things I see people struggle with the most is, yeah. is sexual mm-hmm. purity um, mm-hmm. and weed. Okay. Like those, those two, I, I know. I missed weed when I was talking about drugs. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. Those are the two <laughs> from my experience that people seem to struggle with is weed and, yeah. and, and sexual purity. Um, right. And 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 from kind of like your experience, you know, if you can give any, maybe not direct names or examples, but like how do you see people combat and defeat that? Because I think those are two of the very subtle ones that you can, like, you know, somebody who's doing coke, it resonates in a lot of stuff. But you can be a very proactive, you know, marijuana user. So, like you can live a pretty productive life using weed on a regular if your job doesn't drug test. Yeah. So so the first thing first everybody has to know when we talk about sanctification is who told you or where did you get that you were going to be delivered and sanctified and everything God was going to call you to be overnight. That That's that's mm-hmm. actually not a reasonable ex- expectation. So I, the first thing is... So, so is that the church's fault? I'm sorry to cut you off. I just... Uh, yeah. It's the like, church's like and the church's society's fault? fault. Okay. So we live in a society where anything we're doing, like it has to be able to happen quick. It has to be able to happen fast. It has to be able to happen efficiently. And then there are those of us in a sanctified church that two things. One is a good thing. We believe in the power of God and we know it's Mm -hmm. powerful Mm -hmm. enough to heal. But then also like we want people to not be in sin like really badly. So (laughs) (laughs) so the combination of our faith in the power of God, but also our desire for you to like live like we live, I think we maybe sometimes set these expectations that this is going to be one of those kinds of experiences. And the world, mm-hmm. you know, we want in in have this expectation that anything is going to happen, that we want is going to happen fast. You know, so many kids now, like they, they do summer school and they take AP courses to shorten their time so they can go into college already with credits. Like we're trying to speed everything okay. up as yeah. quickly as we can. And that is actually the antithesis of what this is. What what you have to look at is your holiness, your walk with Christ. You have to see it as a discipline. You had dis- you, 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 you've become a disciple, which is actually the transmission of a discipline or a vocation. 
And that is you have joined an apprenticeship. You didn't, you didn't just get a, a, a one-time miracle. When you get saved, the miracle is your justification. And then everything else after that is a part of your apprenticeship. Now, there are certain sins in our mm-hmm. lives that get mm-hmm. God deals with immediately in order that we can be an effective apprentice. But then there are certain mm-hmm. things that are just worked out by the f- time we spend in mm-hmm. the apprenticeship. There's this wonderful book um, by a pastor. His name is Eugene Peterson. And it's a phenomenal book. It's a game changer for me. And it's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. That that's really what this walk is about. Like we've made it into these moments of experiences where our church services are uh-huh. only good if there was an experience. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? And actually, you should have been, been there. Sorry. Like those are the services we talk about where actually if you're going to walk this thing out, it's going to be a long obedience in the same direction, meaning step by step, day after day, small tweaks, small change, small improvement, but all going ultimately in the same direction. So that that's my first thing of people that actually learn how to walk this thing out is if they've decided I'm in this thing for the long haul. Like if it doesn't happen mm-hmm. tomorrow, I'm okay because I'm the apprentice. If you're going to be an apprentice and going to be a plumber, you wouldn't quit after your first day because you didn't know everything about plumbing. <laughs> okay. Right? So that that's number one. Do you want me to keep right. going? Because yeah. I can keep going. Oh, no, 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 no. I thought <laughs> I just thought you were going to. Like I didn't want to. I've cut you off so much. No, man. Right? I want you to cut me off because I want to stay yeah. relevant to the, to the okay. questions. But knowing that this isn't just some one-time event. That's a mm-hmm. get rich quick or lose weight overnight scheme. Mm-hmm. This is a discipline and this is a vocation. Okay. All right. So it's a four-year degree and not a uh online course. No, it's a it's a career. It's it's, <laughs> there, it's all right. See, it's even, not it's not you even go. your four-year degree. It's it's a career. It's you know, you're going to be working this thing until you retire and your retirement is in glory. Like it's, this is the, the rest of your life you've signed up for. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's kind of where I uh, want to go into uh, one of the things you said you see most commonly is the sexual struggle. So uh, I'm going to just make an example here of one that you may have seen or may not have, but someone's in a relationship where they're sexually active with someone who's not their spouse. Mm-hmm. And they get saved, yep. filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Yet they're still in this deep relationship with this person who's not on the same accord as them as far as that goes, but everything else is perfect. Or maybe they get saved too, but those two just cannot get away from each other as far as the uh, encounters go. And they're not married yet. And may maybe a while before they get married, mm-hmm. but they can't put that down. Mm-hmm. Like whether they're, you know, and it's like, but I love him, but I love her, but I love them. I can't, I can't walk away from that. Like, I love this thing that I've just got this treasure, but I cannot walk away. I just, I've tried and I can't put him or her away or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like what, like, where's the balance in that? Because again, the, you know, the heart is a, it's a funny thing to tell somebody, choose choose God or choose that relationship? Well, does, does that question make sense? Am I, am I phrasing myself in a way? Where kind of, kind sense? of. So, so 
here's 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 why um sanctification is an apprenticeship and not just an answered prayer for certain sins fixed so you know one of the things that i see with the sexual purity and not being able to give up sex or in the instance like you said where you got a relationship with somebody that you love see our vision may be i just want to stop having sex until i'm married and people are like, well, I, God, just take away the desire. And, and well, like, no, you don't want to lose that desire because it's going to serve you well once you do get married. <laughs> you said it. All right. Yeah, it's going to serve you. you well. Like, I literally tell people like, no, 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 no. You don't want God to take away that desire. It's going to make your marriage much, <laughs> you know, you're going to enjoy your marriage much more because of it. Um, but. This is how you know that you've genuinely chosen God is because what God is concerned with is not just one instance. He's concerned with our ability to position ourselves for sanctification. So sanctification is literally being set apart. That's what sanctification means. When you sanctify something, Mm -hmm. you set it apart for a specific use. Now, God is sanctifying us and it's the process of cleansing us for ritual use for his purposes. And what we have to do is get good at being set apart. So being set apart is making good decisions because I'm set apart. So people want God to stop them from having premarital sex without having to make good decisions. And when I tell you, if God is sanctifying you, he's going to sanctify not just your sex life. He's going to sanctify your decision making. And he might be starting with your decision making. So you have to decide we can't live together anymore. Or we can't, you know. But we on this lease for another nine months, Pastor. Yeah, you. If you if you're choosing God, you got to move home. I've 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 given couples that have come to me for premarital counseling this exact advice. Somebody needs to move home back home with mom or dad, mom and dad, until you get married. Like let's let's make some practical decisions that can put us in a position to accomplish what it is we want to accomplish. It doesn't have to be miraculous. We have to be able to 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 make good sound decisions. So that's literally been like I'm not going to pray for some supernatural ability not to have sex because as soon as you say I do, you're going to want to break that. So let's talk about how you make decisions as a sanctified person because that's what so much of our life boils down to is good decision making. Like if you make good decisions, you 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 reduce the amount of times you need God to do something miraculous. You know what I mean? Okay. So okay. like I, I, it starts practical sanctification in areas of sexuality and just about everywhere else starts with sanctifying your decision making. So that's okay. step okay. number two to practically, you know, walking through your struggle is identifying your weaknesses and how you choose to spend your time, where you choose to spend your time, who you choose to spend your time with. Like, while well, you, you, you've you skipped ahead to what mm-hmm. free looks like, and you've skipped past all of the steps of decision-making that God wants to sanctify. Okay. 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 So um, just kind of staying on the whole sexual struggle challenge thing, uh, let's talk about someone who's, and this is kind of a play off of your... Uh, message sunday of confessions a uh, uh husband or wife who 
has fallen into a situation where they've been saved for a while, been married for a while, and now there's sexual morality or immorality outside of their marriage. So they're uh, they're cheating, you know, and they've fallen into this other outside of God, the complete relationship that's outside of God. And it has come. It's gone. It's come. It's gone. And it's whatever the reason is. And it's it's a struggle for this person. And I don't know if it sounds practical from uh, your thoughts and standpoint, because it's like, man, you just a cheat and wonder. But like, do you think that someone actually could be in that situation where they're walking they're They're struggling to stay faithful to their spouse and they want this relationship for whatever reason. But there's a struggle there. Uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, do people struggle with staying faithful in their marriage or struggle with adultery? Absolutely. You know, and I know mm-hmm. plenty of people that, well, I don't want to say plenty because I'm, I, but I, I've known enough to know that it's a regular thing that desires sincere relationship with God, but have struggled with staying faithful to their spouse. Okay. Okay, I just didn't want to make it seem like it was like I was trying to make up some out of bounds question because I, to me, it seems like that could that happens, you know. But yeah, so that scenario, like, where's what's what's you know, what's, the, the, what's the question? Where, where's the piece of line for that one? How does that person deal with this quote unquote new struggle versus the person we were talking about before? Was you just gotta kind of hold on, set up a good situation in life, and eventually you'll get married. And you can, that struggle's gone. This person's on the back end. This is something where you can't, you just have to stop. I mean, is the advice, stop cheating. Like, how do you deal with that struggle? So if, if, if they, and this is, and that, and, and okay, I hear your question. And I think that's, that speaks to my point of God sanctifying our decision-making. Because normally if someone has found themselves overtaken in a sin, that wasn't something they struggled with prior to salvation or at some time before they, their decision-making process became faulty. Like normally when someone has found themselves in an extramarital affair, it didn't happen overnight. It was a a long stretch of bad decisions where Mm -hmm. you share too much intimate conversation with someone that's not your spouse. You know, you you confide in the wrong person when you and your spouse are having trouble. Like it's a it's a it's a mm-hmm. stretch of bad decisions that lead to the adultery. So like that's what I have to specialize in doing when counseling people who come to me to confess is we have to walk back through the decision making that brought you to this point. Because if I just tell you stop cheating and you say, okay, mm-hmm. Pastor Dorian, like that might be your desire. <laughs> you might even stop cheating with that person. But if we don't address all of the decision-making that brought you to that crossroad or the faults and failures in your relationship, because that happens often, you know, either there's sexual dissatisfaction, there's emotional distance, there's something that they're not getting in their marriage that they turn to the wrong place to get. Like if we don't sanctify all of that, mm-hmm. then we're going to be in this office again. So, so that's why I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. A lot of times when God doesn't do this poof be gone with certain struggles is because okay. he's teaching us 
to walk circumspectly, the scriptures say, meaning consider each step where we, you know, to, to be, to walk circumspectly is to like consider everywhere you place your foot. So it's almost like when you're walking on a broken path, you choose and where you're going to place your foot very carefully. Right. Okay. So, so that's how we're supposed to walk. If you're going to be sanctified, you choose each step, each conversation, each relationship, each decision, you choose it very carefully. And if when we get carnal, yeah. when, when we stop being spiritual, we stop considering each step. And that is really what we have to get good at because very few people just wake up one day and go, I'm going to cheat on my wife. <laughs> You know what I mean? So right. that doesn't, ha- but then we try to treat that sin as if it came upon us that way okay. when it did. So, so uh, just for the kind of sake of time, I want to uh, ask a follow-up to that. Like, so we're, you're, I see how you're, you know, trying to walk back to the start of this and this decision-making. How do you walk that timeline back? How do you get that uh, circumstantial decision making back in the right order, and how do you like regain control of this now that you know? Yeah, that's a great question, and that's and, and that's where being spiritual and 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 also wise is necessary because um, most people tell you they don't know why they did what they did, but just a few questions to figure out what it is that they're trying to get from this extramarital relationship then we can walk back to when they stopped getting it in their marriage and then what made mm-hmm. them stop pursuing it in their marriage per se. And then once we, once we deal with that, then that can free them from the bondage of this relationship that this, this, this sinful relationship they're in. So the job is to, and this, this is me speaking practically on my end. I don't, I, you know, some other pastor may have a different answer for you. Mm-hmm. But my, my, or he can get his own podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. He is funny. So for me, my job is to help identify what is the need that they're looking to get fulfilled here. Mm-hmm. Like, and then identify when it started missing or where it went missing. And like what was the point mm-hmm. you decided that your spouse mm-hmm. wasn't the person that was going to be able to provide this? Now let's address so- that hole. And that gap. Okay. So I'm I'm sorry. I just like I keep thinking like these questions keep coming to me as yeah. we're having these this talk. And it's like, so to play the other side of it, okay, that's great. But at the end of the day, shouldn't this baptism, this Holy Ghost keep me from that? Even if, you know, I'm not I'm married to my spouse, but I'm supposed to be married to Jesus too, right? Like, isn't it a, a twofold thing? Like, like, okay, yeah, like. I don't know. It just like, doesn't that still question their, doesn't that still bring into question their like, okay, so I'm only good to God when my spouse is good to me. There we go. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like my spouse is good to me. So I'm good to God. Like, it feels like the hinge of my salvation is based on having a behaving spouse. No, no. The hinge on the hinge here is actually is having sinful flesh. So, what when I say what what is it that you needed that you weren't getting? That's mm-hmm. your flesh has these desires and these needs. The scripture the scriptures say for the, the the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh because they're contrary to one another. So you can't do the things that you would. Meaning your flesh, your natural body, your natural mind 
has these things that it wants and it fights against, it combats the spirit. So a lot of it, it's not, and that's the thing that I, again, it's not that your salvation didn't work. It's just that like how long, like Paul said, like how long will I have to deal with this body of death? Like that's, that's why we look forward to heaven is that my body will be at one with what my spirit wants. So all of this starts with having a body that Paul said, I've come to the conclusion, there's a war in my members, mm-hmm. like between my spirit and my flesh. And my flesh is not going to stop wanting what it wants. The issue is, who do I answer to? Do I answer mm-hmm. to my spirit or do I answer to my flesh? And again, as I use the term, when we get carnal, mean that when we get naturally minded, when we start minding the things of the world, we feed our flesh more and more, and then it takes over. So um, it's not about your salvation not working or just you needing a spouse that behaves right, because if your spouse does behave well, your flesh will still want something else. And like that's just, you have to be good at identifying the difference between what your spirit is calling out for and when it's a fleshly desire. Because flesh doesn't always start out as sin. It just starts out wanting. It mm-hmm. just wants somebody to tell you you look good. You know <laughs> okay. what I mean? Like and okay. That's not a sin on itself. Yeah, yeah. But you start getting a little too flattered because your sin wants somebody to tell you you're handsome. Your flesh wants somebody to tell it it's handsome. And your mm-hmm. wife won't say it often enough. And then like the girl at work says it and you get so flattered. You know what I mean? Like, that's <laughs> why you have to start telling your flesh to shut up. You have to die daily. All right. Die daily. I like it. I like it. Well, um, I mean, like, I could go on and on with this for, I promise you, for an hour. Because I'm really, I'm personally just enjoying how we're kind of tackling this piece by piece by piece. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of pivot over into our, uh, you know, off topic for the week. No, don't go yet. Don't final- go yet. Don't go. Okay, yet. you still got somewhere. Okay, because I, I was going to say have one more... more thing. I have a lot of things, but one that I, I just I, have I, to say. So yeah, go for it. One that I have to say. So the the three things, well, the two things that we covered is is you're justified at salvation, meaning you've been stamped innocent and not guilty. Therefore, you're not subject to sin and shame. No matter what, you still may be wrestling with at the moment. It's not something to be ashamed of, which is why we get the prescription to confess and confession being a pathway to healing is because we've been freed from shame because I'm still saved. Like I'm, 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 I'm still in right standing with God. I have something that I need to work out to get me closer to him, to make me more effective. Um, so number one, it's a long path of obedience. You've signed up for, to be a disciple or an apprentice. So I just, just to recap, so this going to take some time and you got to sign up knowing that. And we as preachers and believers have to paint that right picture. Number two, our decision-making is what's critical because that's, what's going to keep us him performing a miracle on the spot as it pertains to a specific sin. Isn't what's going to keep you, you having, and I having good decision-making and our minds being washed by the water of the word, like having minds full of the word of God that help us choose him at every crossroad. That's how you begin progressing from faith to faith or beholding with an open face. And we become conformed to his image from glory to glory. So like, it's a process. 
And then lastly, okay. the main thing that I see a lot of people missing that struggle is, is you have to have a job. You have to have a reason, okay. a vocation. So uh-huh. uh, Ephesians 4 and 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul speaking, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation you were called. A lot of people can't get their life together because they don't have a reason to. Okay. Like you don't have a, like so many, and I meant, and I, I bring this up because it was, it was, I'm thinking of your testimony. And you said there were mm-hmm. times if you were in the presence of certain people, you didn't cuss. I would imagine if you were at work mm-hmm. and your boss made me you made you mad, you wouldn't cuss at your boss. You were able right. to hold down. Like we have so much more willpower than we think we do when it's necessary for us to accomplish something we want to accomplish. And that because that's when our discipline is generally engaged, is when there is a purpose, when there is a reason when there is an impact and then people come to church or come to God and think, well, God is going to give me this supernatural discipline to just come and sit here where no, he has sanctified you. He has set you aside for his use. So Mm -hmm. he's cleaning us up so he can use us. You walk worthy of your vocation. So when you have a job to do for God, when you know that, your sanctification, the cleanliness of your hands, the holiness of your life will impact your ability to be effective. It provides another level of motivation to walk worthy or to be holy or to be sanctified or to live a clean life because there's going to be a result at the end. Uh, My personal experience with this is in high school and in college, I was in phenomenal shape. If you see me now and see me back when I was in college, two different people. I was able to not eat for days at a time and work out three or four times a day. And the reason was, is because every Saturday morning I was going to be weighed and I was going to have to get on the scale mm-hmm. in order to compete. So I had discipline out of this world because in order to compete and win on Saturday, I was going to have to step on the scale. As soon as Mm -hmm. I didn't have a scale to step on, the discipline changed drastically. (laughs) And so many of us live our Christian life not being required to compete, not being required to perform, not Mm -hmm. being required to show up and be impactful, that it's difficult to to, to gain that discipline. So um, the other conversation right there, like, yeah, 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 man. Not like I, I don't know. I think we're all required to compete. I just think some of us are not competing or choosing. Not we're not competing. I that's that's one of the practical things I tell people who are struggling to remain holy. I tell them to get a job. Right. So, what kind of jobs can you offer? Because I can't preach and I can't sing. So, what do you you know? What do you say? Like, what what do you want? What what are other jobs? That's always the first things people talk about. Can you sing? Can you preach? No and no. What do they say is the best way to learn something? Practice. Is by teaching it. Oh. Like you okay. learn something best when you're required to teach it. Like it's it, like that's a practical way to teach people something is they make you teach someone okay. else how to do it. And I'm not getting ready to preach. But I did quote Romans 8 and 30, <laughs> 8, 29 and 30, where he said uh-huh. he called us to be conformed 
to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Meaning our job is to make more brothers and sisters and make and, and be a witness. So you put yourself in position to be a big brother to somebody, a witness to somebody, an example to somebody. So this is the simple one. Now, you know, there's other things you could do in the church, you know, the structure of the church, you know, you can usher, you can work in the kids, children's ministry, you know, you can clean and all this. But the real thing is, is you, I, I, this is, you go and tell people, I am a Christian. I live a holy and sanctified life. If you need prayer for something, come call me. I'll pray for you. If you need comfort, like declare yourself something that people will rely on and watch you feel the urge to rise to the occasion. Tell people, call me and I'll pray for you and you'll get healed. Watch, you'll start living a life because you'll be like, okay, now my prayers better work. <laughs> okay, okay. So like say out loud who you are to somebody. People, Too many people walk around work, school, with nobody knowing who they are, depending mm -hmm. on them to be uh, uh, an ambassador for Christ, depending on them to have the power of prayer, to be a witness, to know their Bible. They just can hide. Right. And right. and I tell people, get a job. Tell somebody who you believe you to be yourself to be in Christ and watch you feel the urge to rise to the occasion. You'll pray differently when you know people are counting on you. You'll you'll you'll, you'll walk differently, you'll make different kind of decisions when you know people are watching and being influenced by you. So that's the first job I tell people to get. Be a mentor, witness to somebody and help them walk out this Christian life. And watch mm -hmm. your walk go to the next level. Okay, so I'm, we kind of talked about that a couple weeks ago with like how you know not walking around beating your chest and hitting people over the head with the Bible, but mm -mm. in the in like what what could what kind of setting around a water cooler do you get to you know give that testimony that uh, I am a child of Christ? Yeah, so so it's 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 having um, it's having genuine care for somebody. Like I said on one of the previous episodes where somebody knew I was a preacher, assumed I was, because when we saw each other for the first time in a long time, I asked how he was doing and he said he felt like I meant it. Okay. And because I did, mm -hmm. I did mm -hmm. mean it because if he told me he wasn't doing well, I would have said, what can I pray for you? What can I do to help you? So like being genuinely concerned about people. So, so this isn't the, running around telling people, because I'm not trying to send everybody off to tell everybody they're going to hell unless they know Jesus. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is not pointing out what people don't have, but being something they don't have. So okay. when you hear the water cooler talk, again, I'm not uh -huh. saying I'm going to point out something you don't have. I'm going to be something you don't have. So people, you hear people talk about their lack of peace. Mm -hmm. The stress they have in their life, a sickness for one of them or their family member is going through. And it's as simple as, would it be okay if I prayed for you? Okay. There was a time I went through insomnia and I couldn't sleep because of anxiety. And I prayed and God healed me of that. Can I pray for you? 
or being the person that like you can talk to me, you can come and and share your concern with me, and I'm going to provide you godly wisdom and counsel. Like when I when you position yourself as being a resource, not pointing out what's wrong with everybody else, but being somebody that provides peace while everybody else is fighting and bickering and arguing at work, you're the peaceful, you're the peacemaker. Mm-hmm. Like those are the opportunities you have to be something, to have a job and to be a true light in the okay. world and a witness for Christ. Because Jesus didn't go around, besides the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he didn't go around pointing out the things people didn't have. He was busy being the son of God. And then people started bringing their problems to him. And he was, was powerful enough to address those needs. And I think that's what we haven't done a good, good enough job of. And once you position yourself to be a resource, you'll start disciplining your life in order to perform as that resource. Okay. Okay. That was a, Double good. That kind of, again, circled back and completed another thing and then uh, kept hitting this even harder. Um, and, I mean, I took some, a lot from that because where I work at, oh, boy. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, they need to know got- who you are about what, because of what you bring to the table, not what you're against. Because you're not for gay marriage or you don't believe in this, you don't believe in that. No, you got to lead with what I do have. My prayers are effective. My peace is contagious. My joy is internal. And you can do that wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I said, I'll work on, I'll work on how my delivery for some of that personally. So I don't know about everybody else out there. Maybe this one, maybe this last little bit was just for me, y'all. So yeah, hopefully yeah, y'all yeah. got some too. Most can times I, I try you, to Justin? get <laughs> Man, please do. <laughs> oh, yeah. So did you have anything else you want to get with on this? No, one? I'm because, good. I could keep yeah. preaching on that, but I'm going to stop. Yeah, I could just feel it. I could feel it from you right now, though. You kind of I know when you get in your zone and I hate to cut you. So that's why I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'll this, stop there. Uh, Maybe we'll have to do a part two. Uh, all right. All right. Well, I'm sure it'll come back up with some other stuff. So um, with the. um. There's a new show uh, debuting soon on Amazon uh, called Good Omens, and mm-hmm. um, it's a kind of a uh, it's an end of the world type of show where there's a demon and an angel who are like become friends and they're trying to stop the Antichrist from ending the world. So this Christian group uh, put together a petition of about twenty thousand uh, people to sign and try to get the show pulled. Sent it to Netflix instead of Amazon, so they've been getting mocked about that and oh, this whole. Boy. Yeah, right. Like, oops. And then Netflix and Amazon put out some uh, sarcastic tweets saying that they'll take care of it. No problem. Sorry. And uh, (laughs) it was kind of a little back and forth. Obviously, you know, the Twitter trolls get out and start saying their things. But overall, just this whole concept of religious TV, spiritual TV, movies, things like that. What's your general feeling and thoughts about, like, you know, the way religion, Christianity and things like that are portrayed via television and uh, movie? Um, I don't like it Um, first because whenever you do something, when you see people faking it and you actually do it, it bothers you because you know, it's like a bad copy. Like I hate seeing movies or TV imitate a church service. You're like, that's so fake. But um, my, my big picture frustration with it is because 
it's 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 sacrilegious and i don't use that mm-hmm. term you know in a spooky way uh-huh but it 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 ignores the sacredness of what we do so i but it's hard for me i'll say this to get worked up when you see uh netflix or an amazon do a show that we don't agree with is because we participate in that sacrilegious behavior too. We turn our things that are supposedly sacred into movies and television that, 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 that is entertainment. And I don't, I I actually, I don't like it in any instance. I don't like Mm -hmm. it in any instance when it's us making a movie about. Yeah. So in any instance, um, cause like that one, that's kind of a no brainer. What we just talked about It's like, yeah, we don't mm-hmm. really get what that is the saints of God, but like you saying, like in any instance, so like, uh, one of my favorite movies would be, uh, passion of the Christ Would was that on the yeah. list in any instance, you know, being it, you know, uh, you know, I don't deny the good Mel Gibson was trying to do, but honestly, I'm, 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 I went and watched the movie. I've seen it once. I've not seen it again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a helpful depiction, you know, for mm-hmm. us to see like, so, so sometimes for us to see the reality of the things that we read about, I think is helpful, yeah. but for it. us to entertain ourselves with what is supposed to be sacred is, is what I don't, I don't think is good. Like, and I think it's one of the reasons why our faith gets treated the way it does in America. Like you don't see it. Maybe they're out there, but I don't see Muslims making movies about Muhammad. Uh, you know what I mean? Like give them some time. Television they're shows. Traction. They're just getting traction in this country. You know, they were all they're always terrorists. You know, that's all they are in the internet. Do they do it in other countries? And that's me asking a genuine question. Like, do they do they do it in other countries? I know there have been movies about Gandhi, but I can't say about like uh, the Muslim faith. I just don't know which I, independent movies outside of this country. I don't watch a ton of them, so I. I don't have a yeah, it just it place. just at least at least I can say it's not something I see in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And that's why you'll see their faith treated very different than the Christian faith here. Nobody I, I, I don't I don't know very many people that would have the nerve to make a movie or making mockery of the Quran and what it says about the end of the world the way they would do the Bible. And that's because at least here in this country, they have treated their faith in a very sacred way. And we haven't. We make mm-hmm. movies. We make television shows. You know, so why can't they? It's fair game, right? And it's just our interpretation. So that's why I'm I'm, yeah. I'm actually not a big fan of it. I think Christians okay. should make clean movies and TV shows mm-hmm. that support our values. But when you start making movies okay. about heaven and, and, and things of that nature, I'm like, I'm uncomfortable with it. Okay, so you're okay with like um, movies like I don't know if you've seen like uh, Fireproof or Courageous. Uh, it's like a group. It's a Christian-based um, director, mm-hmm. and they like make these movies that are like just entertaining movies, and it's just there's a kind of a uh, good moral story to it. So like Fireproof is one about like uh, a marriage, and there's like a, a marriage. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I'm all about fire. All about marriage, and then at the end, you know how they work it out. Uh, courageous is about men being leaders in their community was the ultimate thing. Um, All about uh, it. goodness. What's the one of uh, the giants, uh, the, the football movie. 
Uh, oh, I know which one you're talking face about. Face the Giants, um, I think it is. Face of the Giants. Yeah. So it's that all cool. about. It. Okay, so you're cool with those, but then when you actually take like the holy uh, Ten Commandments, the scriptures. Yeah, the scriptures and Ten Commandments, and that's a classic. I watch it every. Yeah. <laughs> You know, every Easter, but ultimately that's when you open the door for everybody else to do their takes on it. And you get the story of Noah with Russell Crowe when you act like Noah might have been, yeah. you know, hallucinating and not really believing in God. Like you, 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 you open the door for that kind of sacrilegious artistic expression of their interpretation of the Bible is what I would call it. Yeah. So do fireproof, do courageous, but leave sacred things. Sacred is my personal opinion again i don't know if that's a so i, I let me know ask people very make... direct and pointed question then um mm-hmm. how do you feel about church plays then like us putting on church pl- plays within our church when they're for us okay ah i see so it's by us for us of us fubu <laughs> right 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 <laughs> for us by us i see the difference and it, and, and it's in the context and it's in the context of a religious Mm-hmm. Experience, right, right? You know what I mean? Like, we, we're not commercializing this. We're not putting artistic spin on it. When we do a Passion of the Christ plays a church service, we do an altar call at the. I end. was just see. I was going to put that in. What if we put if as a we, big time movie we do an altar call at the end? We do an altar call. This is a, it's a, it's an illustrated sermon. It's not entertainment. It's an illustrated sermon. Okay. All right. All right. Oh man, now I'm a movie guy, so we, we we'll have to. I mean, and like I said, I like all the other ones, but like like Passion of the Christ, man, that movie had me in tears. I'm just gonna say that one. Was, I saw it once, man. Watch it again. Watch it tonight. <laughs> I'm straight. I read the Bible. I read. I've read about it more a whole lot of times. Yeah. I just only needed to see Jesus get beat all that time. That was kind of bloody. You know. Um, I hear you. But man, when he told his mother, see, mother, I make all things new. I'm getting teary eyed thinking about that scene. It was <laughs> such a well depicted film of that. And I, 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 and when you know the story of Mel Gibson, like bankrupting himself to make that movie because nobody wanted to fund it. But, but you know, Mel Gibson had also bankrupted himself going on racist rants that was and rants after. against Jews. That was like, let's after. not deify Mel Gibson I'm, because I'm he believed enough. Listen, because he believed enough in the commercial viability of his Christian audience to sink that much money. Like, I, and maybe that's me being a skeptic. Like, I'm not going to make you a saint because you I'm knew not calling him Christians were a good move, were a good financial investment. So he knew we were going to see that movie. He was... Um, that he was is some like great saint of God. I'm not trying to say that, but what I am saying is he put a lot of himself out there on the line when no one else would, and then God repaid him, quote unquote. Not saying God, but he made all his money back, then some, and then Satan attacked his mind, and he went on all these crazy rants. He went, oh man, you spiritualizing some stuff, man. He I don't think take, take, Satan attacked his mind. That dude was racist all along, brother. He hasn't been the same since that movie come out. Jim Casavio has not had any sort of career since that movie's come out. And they've both been kind of put in their little pocket and Hollywood's pushed them aside for the for what that movie did. 
Look at both their careers yeah, since that, and, and it's been it's been basically. Dead. I don't I don't know about brother that played Jesus, and he was a little Caucasian for my taste anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's what's always hard about this. You got a white dude playing Jesus. We know Jesus wasn't white, but for the sake of your audience, that's why you can you 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 knew you had to sell movies, and Jesus still had to have blue eyes. And look kind of white, even though the other disciples weren't as white as Jesus was. That's why I'm like, I can't get all the way over in this. It was just a spiritual endeavor. You left Jesus white and you knew he wasn't because the rest of the disciples tell us you knew it. But you got to bankroll your movie with the bankable star. And the conservative Southern Baptist Christians wasn't going to see a brown Jesus. So you still had to have a white Jesus. And you knew Christians were going to go watch this movie. If Hollywood hadn't been evil, they would have known. But guess what Hollywood has done ever since Mel Gibson did that? What's that? Made Christian movie after Christian movie. Like what? Noah. Exodus, Gods of Egypt. Oh, you're saying the whole chain of those, that little spoof things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're making they're making biblical movies because they know what are we gonna do? Go see it. Uh, uh, if we didn't, man, we out of time. I gotta stop. I'm gonna let you have that one. Okay. We have got All to right. stop. Anything. You don't have to let me have it. I'm taking. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you my boy, though. That's why you my boy. And I hope y'all can hear that. That's yeah, why you're, you're not gonna let me go out like you had to give it to me. Bro. Oh, that's how I'm gonna leave it. That's it. <laughs> But no, uh, to be continued then off the record, I got to let you folks go. Dorian, I got to let you go, man. I appreciate it as always. Um, We'll see you guys next week. Dope. Justin.